Well, good morning, Calvary family. Welcome to you. How are you this morning? Welcome to our online family as well. We're so grateful that you've tuned in today and we're excited to continue to move together through the uh, chapter five is where we're going today. So go on and get your Bibles ready. You're going to need that chapter five as we continue where we left last week. Um, as you're getting your Bibles together and you're getting ready to walk through this next group of verses together, let me tell you about what's ahead for us as the Calvary family. Next week is the first Sunday of August. Isn't that amazing? We're moving through 2021 incredibly quickly, right? And also we're doing so with great perseverance and with great hope. Next Sunday, August the 1st, we're going to take communion together. We're going to participate in the Lord's Supper together. So let me encourage you. Um, I know how meaningful that is to us as a Calvary family. Uh, for those of you online, let me encourage you. Perhaps next week is the moment of faith where you want to take a step and, and perhaps be in church next week. And I understand that during the season of life, many people have formed new habits. Um, I realize there's convenience and there's comfort and, and there's even this um, perhaps even false sense of safety uh, from being able to enjoy the moment uh, on your couch with your coffee in your PJs perhaps, or maybe you're there somewhere else and you're tuning in and that's an amazing moment. But there's something about gathering. And the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling or the gathering of yourselves together so that you may continue, right, to grow in faith as a family, as the children of God. Next week is one of those great moments, August the 1st, where communion, the Lord's Supper, allows us to do that together. So I want to go ahead and extend that invitation to you. But let me tell you why. The reality is, as we approach the fall there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of changing information out there. And there's a, there's a lot of uh, feelings, emotions, uh, knowledge that's being processed. I understand that. I live in the same world that you do. I, I listen to the same voices that you do. I, I asked myself a question this week. What would Jesus do if he were alive, living, walking the earth today? And I began to ask myself that question because I thought about it. Um, would Jesus spend more time talking about whether or not we should wear a piece of covering over, over our face? Um, would he talk more about um, what type of vaccination or solution we would have to our physical problems? Or would he talk about the kingdom of God? And when I think about it, when I actually not just think about it, and I go back and, and look at scripture, I think Jesus battled the same thing uh, with his disciples that we battle as his disciples today. Which kingdom do we focus on the most? Which one do we talk about the most? Which one do we pour our best efforts into the most? And, and quite frankly, I think that many of us, we're just like the human apostles because we get our minds set on the world of today. Uh, Simon Peter did that, right? James and John did that. Uh, you go back and you read the gospel, there's all kinds of things that you see the disciples, the believers, the followers of Christ back then facing that we face today. And what did Jesus constantly have to do for even them? Um, my kingdom is not of this world. And when I think about that, and as we approach the fall, here's what I love. I pulled up to the church this morning, and um, for those of you who've been coming and navigating uh, some of the destruction and the construction that's going to lead to a great future, it's, as I pull up and I see that today, I go, wow, this church is a beacon and a light of hope to its city, to its community, to your world. When I look at that, I go, wow, this church has a bright future because of the people of God working together toward the kingdom of God, the mission of God. Anytime the people of God get lost on other missions, other emphases, anything other than Jesus, his word, and the mission of God in this world, they begin to dwindle, they begin to suffer, they begin to look powerless and, and more like the world and, and less like Christ. And it's, I pulled up this morning and I went, God, thank you for a place called Calvary Baptist Church in New Orleans, Louisiana, with the people that are accomplishing his mission. I'm going to begin to talk about, beginning August 15th, what it means to go all in on the mission of God. And, and here's what I notice, and many of you will relate to this and you'll understand this. Um, we have a marker here in the city of New Orleans for those who live through that season of life um, called Katrina. 
And what's interesting about Katrina is when you mention that, it, it, it kind of stirs up feelings, thoughts, emotions for, for many people who lived through that. But, but here's what I love about the story of Calvary Baptist Church. The people here, the core of people that were here, even when I arrived, so you were doing this prior to my arrival here as pastor, there was a commitment to go all in on loving the Lord, loving your church, and loving your community. If there had not been that commitment, you would have left. <laughs> you would have gone somewhere else. You would have relocated. You would have moved. But you know what it's like if you were here to go all in on your commitment to the Lord, your commitment to his church, and making it work in spite of great difficulty, great challenges. And here's what I love. Many of you are still here today. Many of you are still faithful and committed today. And while we may look back at the last 18 months or so, and we may go, gosh, there are a lot of changes. Um, where have people gone? Um, what's it going to look like in the future? Quite frankly, you're back in a position, and so am I. And it's an exciting time to go, God, as you continue to offer these moments of change, what are you going to do next? And to get in on what God may do next in your life, it requires one of those type of commitments where you renew your heart to the mission of Jesus to go all in on him, to go all in on his work, to go all in on his purpose for your life. And as we begin to talk about that beginning August the 15th, what that looks like, and as we unfold in the fall, new focus on gathering together in community through Bible studies, as we go all in on gathering together in worship, listen, there's going to be a lot of noise, a lot of distractions, a lot of information, a lot of processing, perhaps anxiety, perhaps stress, perhaps frustration, anger. All of those things are going to happen. But I want to encourage you as we look at what it means to go all in on the Lord. Jesus had to remind his disciples of the same thing. My kingdom is not of this world. And here's what I've discovered as a human being. When I focus on going more all in on the things of this world than I do on all, being all in with the things of God, I get lost. I get stressed. I get anxious. I get frustrated. I, I get angry. Um, I get more passionate about causes in this world than the cause of Christ. And I know that if Jesus were walking today in the flesh like he walked with the disciples back then, I know that Jesus would say to me, O oh, ye of little faith. I know that's what he would say if I go more all in on the kingdoms of this world than I do on the kingdom of Christ. Let me encourage you next week to come prepared to take the Lord's Supper together, to participate in communion together. Because for you, August 1, as we approach the fall, as we look ahead to school starting and even life continuing, and yes, I realize there'll probably be some new information next week that might cause you in the flesh to go, but what if, what if that, what if that? And I know what Jesus would say to me if I got lost in that. I know what Jesus would say to you as a child of God if you got lost in that. I know what Jesus would say to us if we got lost in that. So let's prepare our hearts next week, August the 1st, to use communion, the Lord's Supper, as a moment to renew our commitment to the kingdom of Christ because that's what allows us to continue to move forward by faith. Amen? What a great week to look forward to. August the 1st, next week, communion and the Lord's Supper together. And I'm grateful for that moment to participate in that with you, who I call the committed, the believers, those who are willing to choose the Lord and choose faith above everything else. So I look forward to that moment. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 is where we begin this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 uh, we've taken the moment this summer to walk through verse by verse the book of Ephesians. And, and I'll be honest, it's very hard to do that in a summer window of time. E even early on when we were looking at the book and we were dividing it out and, and, and being able to choose verses. I mean, some of this, I acknowledge, it has to um, be dealt with very deeply. And so I hope that even in your personal devotional time, your private time with the Lord, you've been going back to read Ephesians. If not, we have um, three more weeks, counting today, of course, um, two more Sundays after this to go through it. 
Go take Ephesians. Um, take the sections that we've read together, that we've walked through together. Make that a part of your quiet time over the next three weeks, even as you get ready to commit to going all in on Jesus. And watch how the Word is going to enrich and inspire you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Verse 18, the Apostle Paul, picking up where we left off last week, he says this, And do not get drunk. Okay, I can stop now, right? <laughs> And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This is the introduction to a wonderful section of Scripture that we're about to dive in a section today. And that introduction sets the table for how we deal with all relationships. Listen. How we deal with all relationships as Christians. And as we dive into this next portion, I only get to go through a portion today. Next week is another significant portion. But today's portion is set up by him saying, this is how you're going to be successful in all of your relationships in life as a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, you're going to go, it doesn't work for me. But if you dare to claim the name of Jesus, if you dare to say, I belong to a greater kingdom than the kingdom of this world and the kingdoms of this world, then he just set the table for how you can be successful in your relationships across the board. So with that, he dives in to marriage. He dives in to God's design for how we as children of God can experience great victory in this particular relationship. And so he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. That phrase is very important. As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. Who's head of the church? Christ is head of the church. He himself, why is he head of the church? Why is Christ head of the church? Because he has authority, because he has power, because he has a role. Is that why Christ is head of the church? No, the Apostle Paul says this. He is head of the church, why? Because he himself is the Savior of the body. As the church is therefore subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Why? How? The next phrase is very important. Just as Christ, in the same way, in the same manner, as Christ also loves the church. How much did Christ love the church? The Bible says he gave himself up. For her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such blemish, nothing like that, so that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does for the church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking very clearly, the Apostle Paul says. This whole analogy, this whole reference, I'm speaking this way to help illuminate or clarify in reference 
to Christ and the church. That's the backdrop of which every other relationship can be measured. That's the standard of success that allows us to be victorious in every other relationship. And right now he's talking about the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. It's to reflect Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul lays out some very clear guidelines for you as believers. And I want you to understand there is a distinction in this passage between how the Christian saved by Jesus, who by faith claims the name of Jesus, who by faith says the authority of Christ is what rules over my life, the grace by which I am saved, not of myself, not of works, but as a gift of God, the grace which I am freely willing to receive for the forgiveness of my sins, both past, present, and future, the love of God that I want to claim and acknowledge that redeems me, that very love, that very Savior has the authority over my life in all of the details, including my relationships. If you want Jesus and the salvation as a follower of Jesus, if you want that, then what comes along with it is his leadership over every detail. Do we acknowledge that all the time as Christians? No, that's part of the challenge that the world today is dealing with and the church today is dealing with. But if you want the good of Jesus and the good of salvation and the clarity before God of who you are as a child of God and the clarity of grace and mercy of forgiveness as a child of God, then along with that package comes his will. Along with that pack package comes his direction. And his will and his direction is offered freely, lovingly, and graciously as the standard for Christians, for those who claim his name, for those who follow him. The rest, they do as they please. Because God to them and salvation to them is cheap. But you're not cheap. You are not belittled or diminished or demonized in the eyes of God. No, you matter enough for him to not only save you and redeem your soul, but to also begin a work of changing your life. And as he changes your life, he changes your relationships. So here's the life lesson today. And this one sets the stage for part one today and part two next week. So I know that as we look forward to August the 1st and the next section of passages, uh, today I want you to understand here's the foundation and here's the life lesson. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ. And walking in subjection to Him. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ and walking in subjection to Him. That is the key to honoring God in our relationships with others. I want you to grasp that because the Apostle Paul sets up how all the relationships of life work. And how do they work? Being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. And not just being filled, walking in subjection. You see the word be subject in there. But before it's ever mentioned in any relationship, it's first mentioned in the Christian's relationship to Jesus. Walking, therefore, in the Holy Spirit of God and being subject to Christ is the key to honoring God in our relationships with everyone else. Let's break this passage down for a moment as we look at it. And as we look at how Paul says you can be victorious, successful, and you can honor God in all of relationships with life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I understand that this can be difficult. Why? Because many of us at different times are filled with ourselves. <laughs> We're filled with ourselves. We want it our way. We expect people to do it our way. We set ourselves up uh, in some regard because of pride or self-narcissism or things like that where we believe that we are the authority because we have more experience, more years, more knowledge. We want to elevate ourselves above someone else. 
We even use worldly means to do so, but I'm going to tell you the opposite of that is that the Apostle Paul says, for any encounter that you would have as a child of God, follower of Christ, the way that you honor God in that relationship and that you are most honorable as a Christian is that instead of being filled with yourself, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Apostle Paul has spoken of this many times before. And there is a distinction in the New Testament that is very clear. He even mentions it in Ephesians. We've already looked at it. When you come to know Jesus, when you by faith say yes to Christ and you turn your heart, your will, your soul over to Christ and you ask Jesus to save you, to forgive you, to become the Lord of your life. When you do that, the Holy Spirit of God, Paul's already mentioned this in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit of God puts his mark upon you. You are sealed as a child of God. You are not only saved, God, from the moment that you say yes to Jesus, whether it was at vacation Bible school when you were a child, or at youth camp when you were a teenager, or in college, someone worked to lead you to Jesus, or maybe you were an adult and you came to know Christ when you knew what you were doing and it was a point to get right with Jesus. It doesn't matter on the spectrum of where that happened in your life. If you have done that, at that moment, the Holy Spirit sealed you as a child of God. Therefore, God says, that one belongs to me. And God will say, that one belongs to me for the rest of your life because of your faith in Christ. And I realize that at times the faith journey, it, it may look like up and you're thriving and down and you're crashing. That happens in the lives of believers. It happens in the lives of Christians. But the reason that happens so many times in our lives is that we count on the sealing of the Holy Spirit as the only moment that really matters instead of the daily moments of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says they are different. Salvation is the moment by which you are sealed by God's Spirit. You are marked by the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit says you belong to Christ and therefore you belong to the family of God. But why sometimes do we as Christians not look very much like we belong as a child of God and the family of God? Well, the reality is we are sealed by the Spirit, but we may not be walking filled by the Spirit. You notice last week in the first few verses of Ephesians, Paul used the word walk a lot. Walk, walk, walk. And we talked about three ways in which we should walk in the growth of our faith as believers. But that walk is effective or it works when you are practicing, when you are preparing, when you are daily saying, God, I need your Holy Spirit to fill me today. And that is a daily part of our journey. It is the only way that we can honor God in our daily walk, both in our actions and in our relationships with others. It requires a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. It requires a daily moment of surrender and choice to be filled with the Spirit of God, to follow the unctions and the leading of the Spirit of God. And as we ask God each day, now God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, there are great benefits to that. And the Apostle Paul gives a beautiful analogy to how it works. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the first part of being able to honor God by being filled with the Holy Spirit and honoring God in our relationships and also walking in subjection to him. Be filled with the Spirit versus what? Being filled with something else. Now, he gives a, a very popular analogy for the people then, and he gives an analogy that I think we understand very well today, right? Um, he says, be filled with the Spirit of God instead of being filled with wine. Now, 
Here's the thing. Some of you are really good Baptists, by the way. Um, you, man, there is no alcohol that I will drink at all, or at least um, that's what you say, right? <laughs> I'm not going to drink any alcohol. And I get it across this country and across the world. One of the identifying characteristics of a Baptist is they don't drink. I mean, I can remember even moving to New Orleans, you know, and it's like, oh, you're a Baptist. You don't drink. I'm, I forgot. I'm not going to offer you this drink, right? That's an identifying characteristic. Now, in our world today, there's Neo-Baptists. So there's Neo-Baptists that now are saying, oh, there's, there's more grace than I ever understood. So um, I'm going to take a little bit every now and then. But I'm not going to get drunk, right? I'm, I, I realize the Bible says that drunkenness is a sin. So I, I'm a Neo-Baptist. I'm not going to let anybody know. I'm, I'm going I'm to keep it to myself. I, I realize that that's kind of the new world that's coming. And, and then I realize that there's also those who are saying, hey, Baptists got nothing to do with it. That's why I'm not a Baptist because I'm going to drink freely, right? I'm going I'm to drink of whatever it is that's put in front of me. And, and by the way, let's be real, real honest. Um, down here in New Orleans, we understand that, right? It's like down here in our culture, you wake up with a drink, you have your mid-morning cap, you have your lunch drink, you have your mid-afternoon cap, you have it for dinner and you have it before you go to bed and you're fine. <laughs> it's kind of like all of our culture and all of our friends kind of see it that way. And listen, that is a part of of the world we live in. And what we find is that people all the time are trying to navigate their way around that. But, but let me take it a step further. What's your wine of the flesh? What's your being filled with other than Jesus? I mean, he could have just as easily said food for gluttony or, or lust for immorality. Or he could have used another substance. I mean, you know, okay, the Bible, Bible says, um, be filled with the Holy Spirit, but not wine. But he doesn't say anything about this. And that's what a lot of people will do today. But he doesn't have to list out every specific detail of the things in our lives that cause us to walk in the flesh. All he needed to use was one example that most people could relate to. And he says, listen. For you to honor God as a child of God in the walk of your life, the way that you overcome all things, even information, knowledge, substances, temptations, and challenges, the way that you're going to overcome that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God instead of being filled with the things of the world. Now, is that a challenge or what? Because for you, you may say, my challenge is not what Paul listed here, but your challenge is something else. And it's for real to you. I mean, a deep moment of observation and honesty, you in the mirror by yourself, and you would go, that's my challenge. And God would say to you, you have been marked, sealed as a child of God. Therefore, as a child of God, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask God's Spirit to fill you afresh today. That way, you can overcome your fill-in-the-blank. What is it? And for you to become a God-honoring child of God who is sealed, marked, belongs to God, your walk can grow in your relationship with God as you say, God, by your spirit today, I want you to feel me, feel, F-I-L-L -L me, I want you to feel me so that I can reflect that I am sealed by you. And in that relationship of being feel, filled by the Lord, I want you to also see this is an issue of control. It's an issue of control. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just kind of for a moment take the Holy Spirit aside and let's take the things of our flesh and put those up front. Something is going to control you. Something is going to control you. It's going to control your actions. It's going to control your attitudes. It's going to control your heart and your life choices. Something is going to control you. 
Now, wine is the easy one because if you've participated or walked through a season of life, and I have some dear friends who, by the way, the reason that they choose not to participate in any alcohol type of alcoholic type of beverage or anything is because they have a propensity and they have a history of destruction related to that. So their choice is one of personal uh, reflection on how destructive it's been, therefore they turn away from it. It's not because they really do it because of a cultural thing. It's not even an issue of what controls them. They don't want it to control them. Why? Because they realize that there's a propensity when you put some things in your body that it takes over your actions, it takes over your attitudes, that you lose control and you say or think or do things that you might not normally do. It's an issue of control. And by the way, he just uses alcohol. That's the only one he uses. But he could have used anything else, right? He could have used your struggle, my struggle, our struggle as people. He could have put anything else in there. And he uses that example because basically what he's saying is what you fill yourself with is what controls you. It can be a substance. It can be yourself. I'm full of myself, right? Or you've heard that said. They are full of themselves. Um, it can be someone else that you allow for a season to have control over your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. It can be moments like that in relationships. Whatever you fill yourself with has a tendency to control you. Therefore, as a child of God, Paul says, for you to walk in a way that is honoring to God and honoring in relationships, all of your relationships, the way that you thrive is to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of being filled with something else. He also gives a comparison. And the comparison is not only about control, it compares a difference. When you are filled with something other than the Holy Spirit, it has control over your actions. Now, let's just take the one that he mentions for just a moment. And he mentions alcohol. And not getting on any of you today because, listen, it could be this issue or it's probably another one. But I want you to see the comparison. It's not just an issue of control. It's an issue of comparison. The deeper I go into filling my life with the things of the flesh, the deeper you go into filling your life with the things of the, of the flesh, that brings along with it every time. More areas of dysfunction, more areas of frustration, challenge, bitterness, brokenness, destruction, every time. It doesn't have to be this substance. It could simply be an attitude or a bad relationship or putting your mind on the things of the world instead of the things of God. All of those things lead to more division. It's not only external division, it's internal division. It's a division between you and the Savior by which you call his name and have been rescued by. That division happens, and it happens even as Paul makes this analogy. You're either going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and reflect joy, peace, harmony, encouragement, unity, love, hope. You're going to reflect those things, or you're going to reflect the other if you're filled with that. Destruction, division, dysfunction, depression, all of these things that will pull you down as an individual. And therefore, Paul has to say to those Christians then, and wow, how appropriate to you if you claim the name of Jesus today as a child of God, how appropriate today. He says, I have to say to you, being filled with the Holy Spirit, choosing daily, not sealed. You're already that if you have claimed the name of Christ, but choosing to be filled and surrender to the will of God through his Holy Spirit to you as a child of God. That is how you begin to thrive and honor and grow in your walk with God. So that's the first thing that he mentions to set up everything else. How does this work? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, of God, what is it that you desire in my life today? I'd rather be filled by you, your word, your way, your will, than the things that are going to destroy me and pull me down. And as we begin there, we begin to see our walk grow. We begin, begin to see our commitment to Jesus, to the body of Christ grow, and to one another in our relationships in the world. That's the first thing that he says. And then here's the reflection. As we 
follow and ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit and follow his will in submission to then to him then we become a blessing and not a curse so here's the next part of the challenge be a blessing and not a curse be a blessing and not a curse be a blessing to someone and not a curse to them be a blessing to those around you and not a curse to them why because once you're filled with the Holy Spirit you begin to do things that are different than the moments where you simply act naturally according to the flesh what do I mean by that well he continues to break that down because once we are filled with the Holy Spirit he then says it comes out in what you say and what you do when you are filled with the Holy Spirit there's a very clear distinction and by the way as a child of God you know it you know when it happens there is a very clear distinction when you're filled and when you're not in what you say and what you do and he goes on he says how do you know that well when you're filled with the Holy Spirit here's what you begin to do for one another you begin to speak to one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs. You sing, you make melody within your heart to the Lord. You're always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. And you are subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So when he lays this section out, I, I realize that you're not going to go around communicating to one another in this great lyrical ballad of holiness and like living and dancing on the tulips and all that. That's not what he's talking about. But what he is saying is, as a child of God, your interactions with the Lord and with one another, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you become more of a blessing to people than a curse. I can tell as a pastor, or sometimes I can tell in my own life, in my interactions as an individual with other people, when I'm being a blessing and when I'm being a curse. I can tell when someone approaches me in the flesh or in the spirit. I can tell when someone's operating out of anxiety Fear, anger, frustration, the flesh, knowledge of the world. I can tell the difference as a believer when someone approaches me, so can you, when they approach you that way instead of trying to operate in the Holy Spirit of God. There is a great distinction. And the distinction is those who walk by the Spirit of God, their desire in your life, is to be a blessing to you as a child of God, not a curse to you. Those who walk in this world want to be a blessing to everyone else. They want to be a blessing when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They want to be a vehicle of God's love and God's grace to those around them to whom they've been given the opportunity and the responsibility to lead to the Lord in some capacity. So now think about every relationship circle and professional circle that you have. And in some capacity, you have the opportunity and the responsibility for every individual in your circle to lead them in some way closer to Jesus. And how are you going to do that? By being a blessing and not a curse. And how can I be the kind of blessing on earth to the people around me? It will never happen any moment I'm walking in the flesh. But it has the potential to happen every moment that I am filled by the Holy Spirit. As I think about being filled by the Holy Spirit and becoming a blessing, not a curse, I am then going to be someone who brings hope into someone else's life. I am then going to become someone who begins to make the right choices individually or personally or corporately for the people that I'm around. I'm begin to move in the right direction because the Holy Spirit is leading me to be a blessing and not a curse. That's what will happen for you as well. You will learn to become a blessing to people and not just generically. Every opportunity as you walk in the Holy Spirit, you will begin to see as a moment where this might be the one that I get to introduce to Christ. 
Whatever the Holy Spirit does in that relationship is up to the Holy Spirit. But you being filled and you being a blessing, blessing opens the door for you to have great impact and to honor God in the relationships around you. So then the Apostle Paul says, being filled with the Holy Spirit versus all these other things and being a blessing versus being a, cur a curse, then that applies to some very specific relationships in your life. And he goes into this analogy of husbands and wives and how we should love one another. And that gets to the final thing. The final thing that we look at this passage is he begins to set up this relationship and others that we will look at next week. He teaches us how do we respond when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we respond when we want to be a blessing to those around us instead of a curse? We respond by loving purely as Christ loves you. We learn to love purely as Christ loves you. We respond to one another as I learn to respond to others as Christ loves me. You learn to respond purely as Christ loves you. We as Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ, we learn to respond to others by walking in the Spirit, by being a blessing. We learn to respond by loving purely just as Christ loves us purely. Are we always pure as believers in our actions? No. That's why he says you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he highlights the difference between walking in the world and walking with God. We're not always pure. But is Christ's love always pure toward you? Yes. And this whole analogy that he gives, beginning with husband and wives, and he goes on next week to some other relationships that we'll look at, what he's showing is the purity of which Jesus Christ gave his absolute all to elevate you and I as sons and daughters to a place of salvation in the kingdom of God. And every other relationship is just like that. The more that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the more that I choose to be a blessing and not a curse, and the more that I learn to let my love be pure just as Christ purely loves me, the more honoring to God I'm going to become, the more purely I'm going to walk in this world, and the more honoring I'm going to become in my relationships with those around me. And so he goes into this picture of wives being subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, and then he gives this way of saying, you know, the husband is the head of the wife just as Christ is head of the church. And then he says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loves the church. And here's the problem that many people have with this passage and others like them. They get lost in the details. So yes, I have seen, heard, been a part of witnessing, walking through seasons of life where men will use this passage and they will say, I am the head of you and therefore do as I please. And they will diminish their role um, as a leader. Um, their wives will respect them less. Um, they become very authoritative, very fleshly. Why? They're not walking in the spirit. They're not becoming a blessing and they're not showing love. And therefore you see this pushback and this resentment, particularly even reflected in our culture today. And so there, there comes these movements. But just as you see that, you also see that there's also this moment where, ladies, you're not perfect either. Gosh, I hate to say that, but it's the reality. Now, I realize that you are better than most of us. I understand that. You're better than most of us as men. But the Bible's really not getting off into the details that we get lost in as people. He's not making this analogy going, husbands, you have the rule and the authority. And by the way, there are a lot of churches and a lot of people who have misinterpreted this passage over generations. But that's not where Paul's going. Likewise, he's not saying to you, ladies, be a doormat. He's not saying that either. He's, he's not saying to this point of, you know, well, stand up and, and, and get your independence, you know, and just, just, He's not saying that, and men, he's not saying be heavy-fisted. What is he saying? He points to Jesus, and here's the reality. I've said this a lot in marriage counseling. I've learned this over and over in my life. 
the reality is, gentlemen, to you first, if you loved the ladies in your life the way that Jesus loved the church, I promise you, they have no problem being connected to you, called your wife, and being one with you. If you loved the ladies, gentlemen, in your life the way that Jesus loved the church, then ladies, wouldn't you agree that if you received from the men in your life the type of love that Jesus has, that is totally self-sacrificing, that is totally honoring and elevating, that would give himself up for you as Christ gave himself up for the church. Wouldn't you want to be connected to a man like that? Absolutely. And likewise, gentlemen, your challenge is one of love, loving the way that Christ loved. But ladies, your challenge is the same. Only by being filled with the Holy Spirit and notice... The Apostle Paul said first, be subject to one another as you are to Christ. And therefore, only as a reflection of your walk in the Holy Spirit, of your desire to be a blessing, and your desire to be loved as you love Jesus, would you then in turn be willing to say, you know what? This is a God-honoring relationship. This is my place in it. And just as much as he loves Jesus and I love Jesus, there is going to be harmony. There is going to be victory. There is going to be unity. There is going to be growth. There is going to be overcoming in moments that are difficult, moments where the flesh perhaps would take over. We're going to set that aside because we love Jesus together. That is how a relationship in the household of faith works. Now, I get it. You will not read this in the press. You're not going to get this on social media. What are you going to get out there? And what are you going to get, by the way, from a lot of teaching across this nation, from pulpits and social media accounts and people that are very popular across this nation? What are you going to get? You're going to get flesh. You're going to get fight for your position, your independence, your strength, your identity. That's what you're going to get. And when you get that, you are not getting the word of God to the children of God. What you're getting is the world. And when you settle for the words of the world as a child of God, you will find dysfunction, discouragement, division, brokenness every single time, both internally and externally. And the only way you overcome that is to be realizing, as Paul says to the Christians then, listen, why did he write this then? I mean, it's so relevant today. Why did he write this then? Guess what? Nothing's new under the sun. And what they battled then is what you battle today, what I battle today, what we battle today. And Paul had to say to them, just like the word is written to us today, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk in subjection to him because when I walk into subjection with God in Christ through his Holy Spirit, then I can walk in reverence and subjection to the people in my lives. The first picture is, yes, the marriage relationship. It gets into family dynamics. It gets into working dynamics and even other dynamics where even today it would make us bristle a little bit. It gets into those and the only way that you walk through those in a God-honoring way for yourself and for the people around you, is you say, I will surrender to the will of God, the Holy Spirit of God, because I do not belong to this world. I want better. I want to be better. I want to reflect better. I want to walk better because I am a child of God. To love purely as Christ loves you, it really points to Jesus and his church. Jesus gave his all for the church. The church is not a building. The church is you. The church is the body of Christ, believers saved by Christ, and Jesus purely gave his all to save you. With that as the backdrop for our relationships, then as a husband, I learned to love my wife. Wives, you learn to be subject to your husbands as you are to Christ. And is that servitude? Well, the question that you would ask is, how much do I love Jesus? 
Wow. Hey, ladies, that's for you. How much do I love Jesus? Gentlemen, that's for you. How much do I love Jesus? What kind of value do I place on my salvation by the Son of God? Is it cheap? Because if it's cheap, then I'm going to act cheap in my relationships with him and with others. Or is it valuable? And when it becomes valuable to you, your relationship and your love for Jesus, then your relationships become valuable as well. And that's how we begin to honor God. As we begin to pray and do a moment of self-examination right now, I want to encourage you to ask this question. Have I been filled with the Holy Spirit of God today? Am I willing to walk each day acknowledging, God, I need to be filled by you or I'm going to be filled with something else? Perhaps that's your step in the walk of saying, God, today I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Are the patterns of your life one where you become a blessing and not a curse? Are you willing to become a blessing and not a curse? And then ultimately, are you willing to say, God, just as purely as you showed your love to me through Jesus, I too want to learn to love people the way that you love me. I want to learn to love purely the way you love me purely. And God, I want to love you that much first. That's how your life, your walk begins to grow. With those questions before you today and as a backdrop to this moment, let's take a moment to pray because I know that that meaty part of scripture will challenge each and every one of us in a personal way. So let's take that to God and do business with the one who makes it real. With our heads bowed right where you are, with our eyes perhaps closing, and more importantly, with our spirit now focusing on the Father, talking to him, I encourage you to pray. Dear God, right now, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to walk in your spirit so I will not carry out the desires of my flesh. God, I want you to help me today to begin the process of becoming a blessing to those around me and not a curse. I want to do this because I know Jesus, that you love me and you gave your all for me. And therefore, I want you to teach me how to love the way you do. As you work through those moments of prayer right now in your heart and in your soul, allow God to fill in the blanks of where that is an area of growth in your walk with Jesus. And then make the commitment to begin to go all in on your relationship with him. Father, I thank you for your children today who are called by your name. I thank you for your sons and your daughters and the relationships that you've given them today. As you move them forward today, let them become lights in their commitment to you and in their relationships with others. I thank you for this time today in the name of Christ. Amen. And perhaps both in our online family today and maybe even in this room, you've heard me talk about your relationship to Christ, but maybe you haven't taken that step. And that is a very personal step. It is step one. To get into all of the things that God has for you as his child, it begins when you say yes to Jesus. When you, by faith, ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, to come into your heart, to begin to change you, and you turn toward him as your Savior and Lord. When you do that, you begin not only as a child of God, a salvation experience for your soul, you begin a lifetime where he transforms you more into someone who leans on his spirit. That's something that in your heart you know needs to happen, whether in the room or online today. 
let us know. Let us continue to help you. You can reach out by stopping in the back and saying, hey, I, I want to know more about Jesus. Or perhaps online, just send us a note. And we want the opportunity to follow up with you. That's very important as you grow in faith. I, I want to say thank you for uh, continuing to be a part of the giving here at Calvary Baptist Church. Your tithes and your offerings are empowering what's happening even today and in our future, which is bright. Because we see, even in the midst of all things going on, hope, life, purpose, and the mission of Jesus being accomplished through you. And how do we know that? Well, this past weekend, we began something fascinating. In the midst of news, in the midst of, of information, we as a church continue to commit to the kingdom of God. And This weekend, we did Vacation Bible School. In a fresh way, in a new way, in an appropriate way, we did Vacation Bible School here for children so that they would come to a point where they would know Jesus. And if they already did, where they would come to a point where they would grow with Jesus. And that's a commitment. That's something that we have said we will do. And in that, if you missed that this weekend, next weekend's another wonderful opportunity to be connected with that. Matter of fact, the next two weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, your children and the children here on campus were doing the final part of the session today while we were in church. And that's a fascinating thing. And that's a part of a mission and a future to look to get through this, by the way, to look ahead. Because, yeah, here's the thing. We don't have as many kids, families coming right now as we did prior to a season of life 18 months ago. But that's okay. You can either look back or you can look ahead. And when you look ahead by faith, you can see the hope, the future that he has, that God has for his children. So that's a wonderful moment next weekend. If, if you have kids that you know, be sure to help them connect. We had a great group this past weekend. A lot of you were volunteering and serving. Thank you for giving of your time. And here was the cool thing. There were a lot of parents that actually just stayed to be with their kids. Gosh, what a great picture of the kingdom of God. And that's amazing. So thank you for being a part of that. We have two more weekends ahead to be able to do that. And I just think that's a picture of us working together to, yes, stay safe, to pay attention to our interactions with one another, even in light of information that changes, comes out each and every week. It allows us to think about how we interact with one another, but ultimately I would say this. It allows us to think, how do I move myself from talking so much about this and that to getting more on point with the kingdom of God and Jesus? How do I get back as a person to the bigger picture, the mission of God? He's going to call us home, whether by a virus or something else, and you do not want to walk out the door of this earth to meet the one who loves you so purely with the last things on your breath and on your mind, on your lips being the things of the world. You just don't want to do that. I don't want to see him that way. I want to walk knowing, God, I was seeking to be filled by the Spirit. I was seeking to be the kind of person that was a blessing when I was here. And I want to walk there because I loved you and I let it show toward others. Let that be the information that floods your heart and your mind this week as more stuff rolls out. We're going to continue to do things the best we can, the right way. We understand the world we live in is challenging. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not walk by the desires of the flesh. I want to pray for you one more time. I appreciate your faithfulness, your patience during this season. And I want to ask God to bless you as you are a blessing. Father, thank you for your sons, your daughters, for your church. Thank you that you are calling all of us to go all in on you first before anything else. Thank you that as we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures to you, Jesus, that you will multiply that for your good, that there is hope and there is a future for those who are called by your name. Thank you for moments of change that are even happening right now in the hearts of your children and in your church for what's ahead. And God, we pray you'll continue to protect all of your people and your children here. You will continue to provide for your work here. And God, we ask you, for great things ahead, not only in this church, but I ask you for that personally in the lives of every child, son and daughter who is here both in this room 
and online. God, would you bless them in a supernatural Christian kind of way by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.